you to take your Bible this morning and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. We're in concluding this uh, series of sermons, and we're talking about God's fire touching God's people and what happens. We've looked at several, several scenarios, but this morning, I want us to talk about this particular situation in the book of Acts that had to do with the Apostle Paul. One thing I am learning through this study, that every time God sends fire, God's people are in a crisis. And usually they discover it is either a crisis of danger or is it a crisis of opportunity. Most of the time, every difficulty is pregnant with an opportunity to come out of it and do something great for God. And that's a mindset. And as I've been studying through this and studying when God's people are touched with God's fire, and we see that this particular situation, God steps out to help. The Bible even talks about our God, said he is a consuming fire. There's nothing that can stand in the way of our God. He writes things in the sky. How many of you saw the double uh, rainbow yesterday? Did anybody see that double rainbow? Man, I didn't get to see it, but on our Facebook, it just lit up and people said, did you see that double rainbow? And somebody said, I wonder what that meant. And one of our guys wrote back and said, two pots of gold. <laughs> but God writes his love to us. He writes himself in the sky and in the earth and in every place. In this particular passage, I want to talk to you about God on display. God on display. Because God is on display. And in the book of Acts, chapter 28, if you have your Bible, let's follow along. And uh, we'll just look at the first four verses. Let me give you a little background. Um, Paul is, is in chains. He's a prisoner. He stood before Festus and also the king. And he pled with them to receive Christ. But he said, I, I, I want to go and plead my case all the way to Caesar. And they said, okay, if that's what you want to do, you're a Roman soldier, if, uh, citizen, if that's what you want to do, that's what we'll let you do. So you can go all the way. After he was taken out of the room, these two men talked to each other and they said, you know what? If he had not appealed unto Caesar, he probably could have been let go. They put him on a ship. They began to take him. He was going all the way around, and he was headed to Rome. On the way, they had some very difficult times. Right before this story, they have come through a storm. This is in chapter 27, called Eurachlodon. It literally means the storm that circles. Most Bible scholars believe it was either a hurricane that they went through, or they went through one of those typhoons on the ocean. Whatever it was, it tore the ship all to pieces. And in order to stay up, they had to throw everything over. And everybody thought they were going to die. Paul was down in the bottom of the ship. He was praying. About midnight, God came to him. Interesting how God comes at midnight, isn't it? Darkest hour of the night. God comes to us a lot of times. And he told Paul, he said, Paul, you're going to be all right. Because you're on my journey, everybody on the ship's going to be okay. So the next morning when they got up, he went to the men. And it was a time of fasting because of the season that it was. He said, guys, get you something to eat. Listen to this. He said, last night, 
God stood beside me. And God said, it's going to be all right. Not only you. He said, you're going to lose the ship. But you're going to be spared. And everybody on the ship with you is going to be spared. And he said, gentlemen, I believe God. And you know what? Those guys believed him because he believed God. And they did just what he said. And then soon they hit a, hit a, a little sandbar or something. And the ship blew apart. But when the storm was all over and when the story was about ended, they landed in the Bible, it calls it Melita, the island of Melita. To us, we call it today Malta. And there they were. It was storming. It was raining. And we pick up the story about there. 28, and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people, and that didn't mean they were mean. They weren't Jews or they weren't Gentiles. They weren't Romans. People showed us much kindness. For they kindled a fire and received every one of us because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came out a viper, a poisonous snake, called in other places here in the next verse, the beast, and fastened to his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer who, though he has escaped the sea, yet vengeance will suffer him not to live. He shook off the beast into the fire, felt no harm. And then they looked when they saw that it, it should have swollen and he should have fallen down dead suddenly. And after a great while, they saw no harm come to him. And they changed their minds. What a statement. And said, he's God. One minute they were saying, this guy's a murderer because trouble's come to his house. The next time they were saying, wow, he was able to overcome his trouble. He must be a God. And the middle of this story was a fire that was being kindled for them to get warm because it was cold day and they were getting warm. And he took that snake that hung on him and everybody said when they saw that kind of a viper, if you know anything about poisonous snakes, this is one of the worst in the world, a viper. And that thing was attached to his arm. And I thought about how, how intricately God tells the story because it's one thing to just get hit. I saw an idiot the other day. Uh, excuse me, Lord, I didn't mean to call him that, but he really was. I saw an idiot the other day from Texas, and he was trying to set a new record of getting in a casket with 25. Did anybody see that? Long rattlesnakes, diamond back rattlesnakes. You saw it too. It, it was crazy, wasn't it? And, you know, he got in there, and he was saying, hey, y'all, be, y'all be careful, man. They putting those big old slime. I mean, big Texas diamond back rattlesnakes. Man, they will kill you. So they're putting them in there and putting them in there. And he's up there in, there in that casket by himself. And all of a sudden, one of them pops him in the head. Pop, just like that. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. That thing hit me in the head. I thought they should have buried him right there. Anybody that dumb? We don't want him to breed. He's going to get more like him. You know what I said? The interesting thing was when they got him out, it had hit him, but the fangs hadn't gone in. So guess what he did? He got, you're right. He was an idiot, right? He went back in there and they started putting him back in. I said, oh, God, help the man. Help the man. 
Well, this thing, there was no question because he was hanging by the fangs on his hand. If you know anything about milking a snake, you know that when you get that like that, all the venom is going into whatever those fangs are in. And that's why they looked at him and said, he must be a wicked, he must be a murderer, he must be something. And so he just flipped it and shook it off into the fire. And when they saw that it didn't swell and that he didn't die, the Bible says they changed their minds. The premise for today is this. You are going to have fire, right? And I promise you the viper, the devil, will bite you. But if you and I can learn how to shake it in the fire, And let God take care of it. People will change their mind. And they will know that we serve a living God. Amen. That's an amazing, amazing story. You know, I love the Word of God. That island that they went on, this island of Malta, is literally called the Island of Refuge. And uh, there may be some here who have owned or have seen a Maltese poodle. Anybody know what they look like? What do they look like? A little white ball. You all know what I'm talking about? Got those little black eyes. I was at one of our church family's home and one of those things bit me. And if I had done what was in my heart, I would have squeezed him. Just let his eyes pop out. Just let him bite me. But I found out this week that the wealthiest dog in the entire world is a Maltese named Trouble. The dog's owner was the late Leona Hemsley, the real estate and hotel tycoon, reportedly worth billions. She left nothing to two of her grandchildren in her will, but she remembered her pooch to the tune of a cool $12 million dollars. And she appointed Alvin Rosenthal as Trouble's guardian. I would have been glad to take care of Trouble. A $12 million poodle, wouldn't you? That dog would have gotten anything. And in fact, he might have gotten a little something extra because when he was gone, I'd got everything. But anyway, not. You know what the Bible says? This is a wonderful word in the Bible refuge. They, they, they none of them thought they were going to live. And yet God sent them to an island called Refuge. And it was on that island of refuge that God showed himself strong on their behalf. Psalm 46 says it three times, and that was one psalm. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. 46 verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Psalm 46, 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. God is on display. Here's what I want you to see in this story. He was bitten, but not forsaken. He learned how to shake it off into the fire. God sometimes sends fire into our life. But sometimes God provides fire in our life. 
to protect us, to help us, to get us where we need to be. I was thinking about this in light of the three Hebrew children who went into the fiery furnace. He, they were on display. God was on display. In fact, if you'll remember, the king came down, and there, there was those three, and there was Daniel, and all of them went through incredible fire of trials. But the king then came down and asked a question of Daniel and them. Is your God able to take you out? Is your God able to take you out? And the answer came back, and I love this, what we call but if not faith. He said, King, be it known unto you that our God is able. But if he doesn't, I'm going to trust him anyway. The next morning, when Daniel was in that Lions then he came down there and he said, Daniel, did your king, did your Lord, did your God take care of you? And he answered back, oh, king, my God took care of me. They came down to a look at how it was going for the three Hebrew children who were walking through the fiery furnace. You remember what they saw? Somebody tell me, they put three in and how many did they see? They saw four, and they said, there are four people down there, and the, look, and the fourth one looks like who? The Son of God. Hallelujah. Sometimes if God puts you in a place, he will provide a, fair, a fire. Sometimes if God puts you in a fire, he will come and walk you with the fire. But every time God puts you in a fire, he is on display with us it's amazing somebody said I was reading something about this and it said this snake bite said the devil bites us you may have been bitten every once in a while and he was just he said the devil bites us with discouragement if he does throw him in the fire if he bites you with doubt sling it off in the fire he gave a whole bunch of words. He said, disillusionment. If a devil bites you, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. He said, God has not given us the spirit of fear, and God is not the author of confusion. And so if the devil comes to you, you flip it off and into the fire and leave it with God. He said, how about disappointment? How about gossip? Flip it in the fire. Failure, feel the faith. Flip it over there in that fire and say, look, you're not going to be able to have me evil thoughts and lust and all the ways that that old viper, the devil, can cling himself to us, holding our hand. Isn't it amazing? He was gathering wood to build a fire to make it warm so they could survive. He was working. He was on a mission for God, and that viper bit him right in the hand to try to paralyze his work that he was doing, and he was able by faith to just throw it in the fire while their eyes got wide open and God delivered him by the fire. Wow. I remember so many illustrations of how God touched somebody through a tough time. This morning I was thinking about a scene. I got a call at the office. I was still in Panama City before I moved to Charlotte. Got a frantic call from the office, and one of the, the uh, officers, I was the uh, 
not only pastor there, but I was chaplain with the sheriff's department. He called me and said, hey, preacher, um, we've had a young man killed on the way to school. Car hit him. We've had that happen in our city here just recently. And uh, you might have seen that. And they said, we're sending people over there. It's closer to your church. We'll meet you there. About four blocks from our church, I went over and mom and the dad were there in the little living room with a poor house. We sat on the couch. I did my best to comfort him. We talked for a good while. He told me the whole story, how the boy, all every day he walked to school. And on this morning, somebody came out and hit him on the sidewalk and killed him. We walked through that with them. One day, he called me about two days later, before the funeral. He said, we've been talking, preacher. Our boy came to your church. He rode a bus. Got a bus ministry then. He rode a bus to your church. I said, really? He said, would you check his records and see about him riding to church? I called the secretary. She pulled his file. She said, yes, sir. Preacher said, he came this long, this time, rode on such such a bus. On this date, he got saved. And on this day, he got baptized. I took that card. And I went to that home and I said, and I said I, this is tragic. But I want to tell you something. I want to show you right here. Your boy accepted Jesus Christ on that date right there. And your boy followed the Lord in believer's baptism right there. And that little old mama, little tears came down. And in the midst of her sorrow, she said, then he's with Jesus, right? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'm a Christian, but my husband is not. Big guy. He looked at me and. He said, Preacher, we've talked about this a lot of times. We don't go to church anywhere. Would you show me how I can go to heaven? We knelt down beside that couch. I took my Bible and showed him how he could go to heaven. He prayed and asked Christ to come into his heart. We had the funeral. About two weeks later, he came to church and he said, I've been thinking. One of those big old buses brought my boy to Jesus, and he's in heaven. He said, Preacher, you know what I do for a living? I said, no. He said, I drive a truck. He said, you think I could drive one of those buses? And I said, man, you sure could. And from that day until the day I left Panama City, that man drove a bus full of kids to church, and many of them accepted Christ. He was able to throw that thing off and say, God, I'll trust you. And God saw that it was a crisis. But he turned that crisis of danger and despair into a crisis of opportunity. And God changed his life. Hallelujah. Sometimes we ask a question, why does God send his fire? Well, I believe God sends his fire, first of all, to warm our hearts. If you look at this story, the Bible says these guys that were not Christians yet built a fire for them, and they were trying to get warm. It was cold. It was rainy. They were wet. They were building a fire. And I believe sometimes God wants to stir up a fire within us. God wants to rekindle a fire within us just to warm our hearts, get us warm toward God again. It's easy to get cold, isn't it? Come on, let's be honest. Nod your head like that. 
Look at your neighbor and do that. It's easy. We get so caught up in this world, we get, and sometimes God will send a little something or a big something, and he say, I want you close to me. I want you close to me, and he does that, and he holds us against his heart, and the great heart of God, the God that is the consuming fire of all the universe, holds our heart close to him until our heart is warmed again by his heart. Sometimes God sends it to strengthen our faith. He wants to see, can you believe me? Can you trust me? He wants to deliver his people. He wants to display his glory in every situation. I don't know why things happen. I do know this. There is a crisis that comes to every life. And I want us today to think about turning a crisis of danger into a crisis of opportunity. Somebody before the service asked me to tell a story, without doubt, one of the most embarrassing stories of my life. I mentioned Panama City. We first moved from Panama City here. I didn't know, I didn't know how to found, find downtown. I didn't know where I was. We were having, that fall, we were having a, a big... Uh, what do you call them? Where the girls all come in long dresses and the escorted. Homecoming. Homecoming. Beautiful cars. Vintage cars. Convertible vintage cars. All of our family was here from college and so forth. One of our girls was in it. Man, I was excited. It started raining. Did anybody get some hard rain yesterday? We got some of the biggest drops at our house of rain. It was like, it was just huge. Well, it started raining like that, so much so that they had to call it off. I mean, it was a deluge. It just kept on raining. And I said to myself, why did I ever leave Florida? It always, the sun always shines in Florida. So we're sitting around, dressed to the nines. Nice dresses on the girls, suits on the guys. Made her look like the princess of the world. And I said, what do y'all want to do? I mean, this thing's been called off. And in one moment of unison, they said, let's go eat. I mean, I'm looking at my family. I'm saying, this is trouble. But I had heard at that time, exit 33, where you turned uh, down uh, Billy Graham, there was a motel, Sheraton hotel there and the Sheraton Hotel had the, the greatest buffet seafood buffet that you can imagine they had lobster on it then I mean they had everything on it then and I said if I got to feed this bunch let's go we got in the car we drove down there it's still raining I mean I couldn't even hardly see to drive it's an absolute true story I pulled up the, the place was packed I pulled up on the bigger big overhang there and Tried to get under there, and I couldn't. So I got a family as close as I could, opened the door. They ran in. I said, I'll go find a place to park. So I ran around, got back in the car, opened the door, got them in, got in the car. I mean, I was already getting a little wet. Drove around, drove around. No time. I drove all the way around to the back side of the motel and found a, a place. I sat there, and I said, surely this thing will lighten up just a little bit. 
waited for a while. It never. I mean, it was just still coming down. I got to thinking. My boys, my girls, my wife, if I wait much longer, there won't be anything left on the buffet. So I said, I got to get out of here. So I got opened the door of that car. I pulled my coat up like this. And I started running. I ran all the way from the backside all the way to the front. As I, got, there was, as I got close to the front, there was a hedgerow along there. And I noticed at the hedgerow, there was one little opening. And I thought, if I could dart through that, there's a fountain right there. I can go over there, go around this fountain, and I can get into place. So I ran like this. I could hardly see. I went through that hedge. When I saw the fountain, it looked shallow, but there was no way to get around it. And so I said, I'm already wet. I'll just go through the fountain. So I says, I thought it was like this. God, it was like this. So help me God, I'm standing there waiting like this. There must have been a hundred people under that overpass waiting for cars. I heard one man say, Margaret, get back, he's crazy. He's either drunk or crazy, drunk as a skunk. So I just walked over there like this. You ever get caught and don't know what to say? I had my suit. I said, anybody want to get baptized? <laughs> I got out of that place. Some guy helped me out. and got up there and I started walking toward the door. My, there was so much water in my shoes every time I stepped, I go, you know. I got to the guy at the, at the office door of a bellman there and he said, uh, do you want to come in? I said, sir, if I run through that much rain and went through that swimming pool, I am going in and eating some fish. He said, well, go on in. I got to the table. My family looked at me like this. Where have you been? I said, don't even ask. Most embarrassing moment of my life. You know, at that moment when I stood at the door, I was in a crisis. I had to decide right then, is this going to be a crisis that will send me home or am I going to turn this into a crisis of opportunity? I got ushered right up. Nobody wanted to get close to me. He said, would you folks stand back? This fellow really got wet out there somehow so he can get closer to the buffet. And I just thanked him. Thank him. It became a great opportunity. Sometimes... God sends that kind of fire to display his glory. I also thought about the fact that when God sends fire, you know, we, we're going to leave this this week, but sometimes God sends fire like he did with Elijah when we need to come back to worship. They'd kind of wandered away. How many people you rec- reckon in this city who know God, who one time were faithful to God's house, are somewhere else today? A lot of them, right? We were driving by the, the uh, I guess all the way down by the speedway and even up on the racetrack and the track and I don't know what's going on over there, but people were running, you know, and they were just running. They were having a big time. And 
Maydell just made the comment. She said, wouldn't it be cool if all the Christians who are here would have run to church this morning? They could have gotten their exercise, and they could have been in church. I said, yeah, but they'd have stunk. They would have had to do something with them. But I just got to think, sometime God sends fire like he did to God's people then, because they had wandered away from worship, and God wants to pull us back. And sometimes God sends people just to encourage us to go get something. He puts the fire, like he did the bush for Moses. He brought it right in his life, and right there, and he said, Moses, man, my people need somebody. Go get them. And he did. Sometimes God's people just need to go out. You remember when the tongues of fire came on God's people? What did God tell them to do? Go out and get your neighbors. Go out and let them know about Jesus too. And God enabled them through that way. And then here, sometimes God sends a little fire when God's people need to go on in spite of what's going on. He could have stopped. He could have said, hey, I mean, I got bit. Hey, 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 hey. Somebody help me. Or he could throw it in the fire that God had provided and walk away. And so I just want to encourage you today. You know, God does a lot of things in the fire. God confirms his word. Have you ever noticed sometimes when we get in trouble, we always run to God's word? Isn't that sweet? Aren't you glad we can do that? We were talking this morning, one of the fellows in our class, just sharing how part of his life hadn't been lived for God. In fact, he was in prison. And he said, I memorized while I was in prison the 28th Psalm. And God helped me. Isn't it amazing how we get in trouble? We turn to God's word. And it becomes sweet to us and it gives us what we need. Sometimes it precedes his blessings. He says the entrance of your word brings light and sometimes it revives God's people that they can do what God wants them to do. But I just hope every one of us today would understand that he can take a tragedy and turn it into triumph. He can take danger and turn it into opportunity. He can take hurt and turn it into service. In our lives, God wants to be on display. And I would really encourage you today. I will never, ever forget the people who are in our church who serve God. I thank God for our staff. I thank God for you who are here. I thank God for those who have laid a foundation in this place that will cry for God forever. I thank God for the opportunity we had. We, we, did, a, we did a little survey a few years ago, and we said within 15 miles of our church there were 300,000 people. One of our men did a research. He said, Pastor, that's been updated since then. Within a... 15-mile radius of our church, there's almost 800,000 people within 15 miles of our church. Wow! What an opportunity for us to share Jesus with our folks. Amen. I hope God's given you something today 
And I hope the old snake bite comes out of the fire and bites you this week. You're going to do what? Throw him in the fire. Let's say that together. If he bites you this week, do what? Throw him in the fire. Amen. And turn that crisis of danger into a crisis of opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we have enjoyed looking at the fireworks of God in this Bible. You said, Lord, that you would move in us, that you would move among us, that you would move on us, that you would move through us. Lord, we live in a crazy world right now. Our culture is going counter to everything you teach in the Bible. Lord, it seems to me that our government is trying to destroy everything that the founding fathers tried to build. But God, I believe you'll raise up a group of people right here in this auditorium who will change the course of this community, who will do everything we can to lift up Jesus and be what he wants us to be, to be a witness to our people. God, we want you, oh God, to be on display in our lives, in our homes, and in this building. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name we pray, amen. I want you to look at me, everybody. In just a few moments, we're going to stand, we're going to sing what we call an invitation. If you're here today and you do not know you're on your way to heaven, It'll be the greatest day of your life. My wife and I were in a restaurant in Harrisburg. Wonderful looking gentleman came up to me and big smile on his face. And he said, Pastor, I just had to leave my table and come and say hi to you. I said, man, I'm glad to see you. He said, yeah, you were the one 20 years ago who led me to Jesus. So you was preaching and you said, some of y'all just been putting this off. And something in my heart said, today's the day that I need to do that. And he said, I walked down to the front and I trusted Christ. My life has been different. He said, I want you to come say hello to my wife. And I walked over there and I shook hands with her. And little old hand, white hair, feeble. She just shook my hand, took the other and said, thank you, preacher. Hey, folks, that's our joy, right? That's our joy. That's our privilege. That's our opportunity. And I'm hoping that God's going to lay somebody on your heart. I invite you to come forward and pray. That's an opportunity. Believers will come and pray. They'll pray for somebody they love, somebody who needs God. But if you're here, and you're not 100% sure you're on your way to heaven, I want you to come shake my hand like that dear man did, and I'd like to take the Bible and show you. If you're not 100% sure you're saved, you may be 100% lost. And that's scary. And so God wants to do something for us today. Have somebody you want to pray for? Let's pray for them. Have something in your life you want God to touch? So devil bit you in an area of your life, you want to sling him off and say, get away from me. I'm not going to let you be hanging on me anymore. I want you to do it today.